Chapter forty one of the Scalp Hunters. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The Scalp Hunters by Thomas Main Reed. Chapter forty one. The Barranca. We staked our horses upon the open plain, and returning to the thicket, cut down wood and kindled fires. We felt secure. Our pursuers, even had they escaped back to the valley, could not now reach us, except by turning the mountains, or waiting for the falling of the flood. We knew that that would be as sudden as its rise, should the rain cease, but the storm still raged with unabated fury. We could soon overtake the Atajo, but we determined to remain for some time at the canyon, until men and horses had refreshed themselves by eating." Both were in need of food, as the hurried events of the preceding days had given no opportunity for a regular bivouac. The fires were soon blazing under shelter of the overhanging rocks, and the dried meat was broiled for our suppers, and eaten with sufficient relish. Supper ended, we sat, with smoking garments, around the red embers. Several of the men had received wounds. These were rudely dressed by their comrades, the doctor having gone forward with the atajo. We remained for several hours by the canyon. The tempest still played around us, and the water rose higher and higher. This was exactly what we wished for, and we had the satisfaction of seeing the flood increase to such a height that, as Rube assured us, it could not subside for hours. It was then resolved that we should continue our journey. It was near midnight when we drew our pickets and rode off. The rain had partially blinded the trail made by El Sol and his party, but the men who now followed it were not much used to guide-posts, and Rube, acting as leader, lifted it at a trot. At intervals the flashes of lightning showed the mule-tracks in the mud, and the white peak that beckoned us in the distance. We travelled all night. An hour after sunrise we overtook the Atajo, near the base of the snow mountain. We halted in the mountain pass, and after a short while spent in cooking and eating breakfast, continued our journey across the Sierra. The road led through a dry ravine, into an open plain, that stretched east and south beyond the reach of our vision. It was a desert. I will not detail the events that occurred to us in the passage of that terrible Hornada. They were similar to those we experienced in the deserts to the west. We suffered from thirst, making one stretch of sixty miles without water. We passed over sage-covered plains, without a living object to break the death-like monotony that extended around us. We cooked our meals over the blaze of the Artemisia, but our provisions gave out, and the pack-mules, one by one, fell under the knives of the hungry hunters. By night we camped without fires. We dared not kindle them, for though as yet no pursuers had appeared, we knew they must be on our trail. We had traveled with such speed that they had not been able to come up with us. For three days we headed towards the southeast. On the evening of the third we descried the Mimbrous Mountains, towering up on the eastern border of the desert. The peaks of these were well known to the hunters, and became our guides as we journeyed on. We approached the Mimbrous in a diagonal direction, as it was our purpose to pass through the Sierra by the route of the old mine, once the prosperous property of our chief. To him every feature of the landscape was a familiar object. I observed that his spirits rose as we proceeded onward. At sundown we reached the head of the Barranca del Oro, a vast cleft that traversed the plain leading down to the deserted mine. This chasm, like a fissure caused by some terrible earthquake, 
extended for a distance of twenty miles on either side was a trail for on both the table plain ran in horizontally to the very lips of the abyss about midway to the mine on the left brow the guide knew of a spring and we proceeded towards this with the intention of camping by the water we dragged wearily along it was near midnight when we arrived at the spring our horses were unsaddled and staked on the open plain here seguin had resolved that we should rest longer than usual a feeling of security had come over him as he approached these well-remembered scenes there was a thicket of young cotton trees and willows fringing the spring and in the heart of this a fire was kindled another mule was sacrificed to the manes of hunger and the hunters after devouring the tough stakes flung themselves upon the ground and slept the horse guard only out by the cabalada stood leaning upon his rifle silent and watchful resting my head in the hollow of my saddle i lay down by the fire seguin was near me with his daughter the mexican girls and the indian captives lay clustered over the ground wrapped in their tilmas and striped blankets they were all asleep or seemed so i was as wearied as the rest but my thoughts kept me awake my mind was busy with the bright future soon thought i shall i escape from these horrid scenes soon shall i breathe a purer atmosphere in the sweet companionship of my beloved zoe beautiful zoe before two days have passed i shall again be with you press your impassioned lips call you my loved my own again shall we wander through the silent garden by the river groves again shall we sit upon the moss-grown seats in the still evening hours again shall we utter those wild words that caused our hearts to vibrate with mutual happiness zoe pure and innocent as the angels the childlike simplicity of that question enrique what is to marry ah sweet zoe you shall soon learn ere long i shall teach you ere long wilt thou be mine for ever mine zoe zoe are you awake do you lie sleepless on your soft couch or am i present in your dreams do you long for my return as i to hasten it oh that night were past i cannot wait for rest i could ride on sleepless tireless on on my eye rested upon the features of adelaide upturned and shining in the blaze of the fire i traced the outlines of her sister's face the high noble front the arched eyebrow and the curving nostril but the brightness of complexion was not there the smile of angelic innocence was not there the hair was dark the skin browned and there was a wildness in the expression of the eye stamped no doubt by the experience of many a savage scene still she was beautiful but it was beauty of a far less spiritual order than that of my betrothed her bosom rose and fell in short irregular pulsations once or twice while i was gazing she half awoke and muttered some words in the indian tongue her sleep was troubled and broken during the journey seguin had waited upon her with all the tender solicitude of a father but she had received his attentions with indifference or at most regarded them with a cold thankfulness it was difficult to analyze the feelings that actuated her most of the time she remained silent and sullen the father endeavored once or twice to resuscitate the memories of her childhood but without success and with sorrow at his heart he had each time relinquished the attempt i thought he was asleep i was mistaken on looking more attentively in his face i saw that he was regarding her with deep interest 
and listening to the broken phrases that fell from her lips there was a picture of sorrow and anxiety in his look that touched me to the heart as i watched him the girl murmured some words to me unintelligible but among them i recognized the name dacoma i saw that seguin started as he heard it poor child said he seeing that i was awake she is dreaming and a troubled dream it is i have half a mind to wake her out of it she needs rest i replied ay if that be rest listen again dacoma it is the name of the captive chief ay they were to have been married according to their laws but how did you learn this from rube he heard it while he was a prisoner at the town and did she love him do you think no it appears not she had been adopted as the daughter of the medicine chief and dacoma claimed her for a wife on certain conditions she was to have been given to him but she feared not loved him as her words now testify poor child a wayward fate has been hers in two journeys more her sufferings will be over she will be restored to her home to her mother ah if she should remain thus it will break the heart of my poor adelaide fear not my friend time will restore her memory i think i have heard of a parallel circumstance among the frontier settlements of the mississippi oh true there have been many we will hope for the best once in her home the objects that surrounded her in her younger days may strike a chord in her recollection she may yet remember all may she not hope hope at all events the companionship of her mother and sister will soon win her from the thoughts of savage life fear not she will be your daughter again i urged these ideas for the purpose of giving consolation seguin made no reply but i saw that the painful and anxious expression still remained clouding his features my own heart was not without its heaviness a dark foreboding began to creep into it from some undefined cause were his thoughts in communion with mine how long i asked before we can reach your house on the del norte i scarce knew why i was prompted to put this question some fear that we were still in peril from the pursuing foe the day after to-morrow he replied by the evening heaven grant we may find them safe i started as the words issued from his lips they had brought pain in an instant this was the true cause of my undefined forebodings you have fears i inquired hastily i have of what of whom the navajos the navajos yes my mind has not been easy since i saw them go eastward from the pinion i cannot understand why they did so unless they meditated an attack on some settlements that lie on the old lanos trail if not that my fears are that they have made a descent on the valley of el paso perhaps on the town itself one thing may have prevented them from attacking the town the separation of dacoma's party which would leave them too weak for that but still the more danger to the small settlements both north and south of it the uneasiness i had hitherto felt arose from an expression which seguin had dropped at the pinion spring my mind had dwelt upon it from time to time during our desert journeyings but as he did not speak of it afterwards i thought that he had not attached too much importance to it i had reasoned wrongly it is just probable continued the chief that the pasinos may defend themselves they have done so hitherto with more spirit than any of the other settlements and hence their long exemption from being plundered 
partly that and partly because our band has protected their neighborhood for a length of time which the savages well know it is to be hoped that the fear of meeting with us will prevent them from coming into the hornada north of the town if so ours have escaped god grant i faltered that it may be thus let us sleep added seguin perhaps our apprehensions are idle and they can benefit nothing to-morrow we shall march forward without halt if our animals can bear it go to rest my friend you have not much time so saying he laid his head in his saddle and composed himself to sleep in a short while as if by an act of volition he appeared to be in a profound slumber with me it was different sleep was banished from my eyes and i tossed about with a throbbing pulse and a brain filled with fearful fancies the very reaction from the bright dreams in which i had just been indulging rendered my apprehensions painfully active i began to imagine scenes that might be enacting at the very moment my betrothed struggling in the arms of some savage for these southern indians i knew possessed none of the chivalrous delicacy that characterized the red men of the forest i fancied her carried into a rude captivity becoming the squaw of some brutal brave and with the agony of the thought i rose to my feet and rushed out upon the prairie half frantic i wandered not heeding whither i went i must have walked for hours but i took no note of the time i strayed back upon the edge of the barranca the moon was shining brightly but the grim chasm yawning away into the earth at my feet lay buried in silence and darkness my eye could not pierce its fathomless gloom i saw the camp and the cabalada far above me on the bank but my strength was exhausted and giving away to my weariness i sank down upon the very brink of the abyss the keen torture that had hitherto sustained me was followed by a feeling of utter lassitude sleep conquered agony and i slept End of chapter forty one